Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can find me personally at Justin Bizarro. Again, that's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O, B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O, two Z's, two R's, just so everyone's clear, because I know everyone's like, how do I spell your name? And I get a lot of you know, one Z or one R, or one both want a single Z and a single R. So double Zs, double Rs. Um, just think of Bizarro Superman, but spelled differently, and Bizarro from uh, Friends, but spelled differently. So, and there's a comic book called, or a comic strip called Bizarro as well. Again, spelled differently than that. So that helps you guys find me. You can also find this show or all the other the other three shows that I do on Spotify or wherever else you go yourself through podcasts. Again, you just type in my last name anywhere where podcasts are syndicated and those three shows will come up we are pushing out new episodes for the centurion leadership battalion show as well as the night dasher show but we've sort of slowed things down because running four shows and trying to answer all the questions as we released all four became hard so we're going to slowly on ramp all of those shows uh, to complement this show so that will answer the questions that i have from today that i've gotten uh loosely based on the other shows this is our most popular show, guys. This one is crushing it right now. I was just going through numbers with our guest, Gene, uh, from Walter's Hot Dogs, Adam Marinek, New York. Did I say that properly? You sounded great, like a true local. Like a true local. Thank God. I love it. And um, But, you know, this, this show's doing well. The guests are doing well. Walter's Hot Dogs, part one and part two, guys, you guys need to go back and listen to it. This is his third episode with us we will continue to tell the story but they are doing phenomenally well you know and i we in the episode before this we had the second part of rock and burgers on because they're also a top 20 episode of all time and so is actually walters right now top 20 episode of all time uh both his part one and his part two so that being said let's get into it gene how are you doing today I'm doing so well, Justin. Thanks again uh, for continuing the conversation. I feel like the first two episodes were just kind of like scratching the surface with with everything. So thank you again for having me. Uh, You're one of the, absolutely, you're one of the best guests we've had, your story, your business, um, the family legacy. You know, everyone thinks that in most businesses, I agree, like the second, third generations don't run the business as well, but in food, and especially I'll say in like Italian, Greek, Spanish families, we tend to compound that in. And I think there's a lot of other immigrant groups or groups around the world and countries around the world who are like, oh, we compounded into our families too. I believe that to be true. Um, but I'm just talking about the United States and maybe I'm biased because I'm half Italian. But it's it really does compound. And what you guys are doing is really incredible considering how many legacy businesses, multiple generation businesses went under during COVID uh, by not changing, by not growing, by not being a close-knit family. So again, all these compliments to you, your sister, your mother, your grandfather, so on and so forth. I mean, you guys have built strong tradition, strong culture, strong core values, um, and continue to grow. So I'm going to jump right into it, Gene. Like, Let's talk about because we've just had National Hot Dog Day. Yes. And I have like you know, I I did eat hot dogs on National Hot Dog Day. I actually tried four different places around me because I'm like I'm going to make make a meal out of this, pun intended. Nice. And um but let's talk about what does it actually 
do when we declare National Hot Dog Day, does it actually benefit your business? Do you actually see increases sales? And and you know, before we even get into that question, I mean, how do you prepare? Like, is there anything you do different for something that's like a National Hot Dog Day? Yeah. So you know, there is a a National Hot Dog and Sausage Council based out of Washington D.C. Um, that goes to bat to legislation and and for the industry. And, you know, they're the ones who declare a National Hot Dog Day every year. This year, it was, it was July 19th, 2023, right? This past Wednesday. And for us, it's, yes, do we see a little bit of an increase? We do, right? Um, we see a little bit more of social media engagement uh, as opposed to actual even, you know, um, revenue, just because people want to post about it, people want to bring attention to it. Um, but one of the things, too, is we use it as a day to promote the brand. Um, you know, so, so this year specifically, uh, we have our cocktail franks, our pick in a blanket, and it's something we're really proud of that we've, we've been able to grow on a retail level and through gold belly. So we gave them out to every order. It was, a for every order over $15, which is just about our average ticket at the restaurant. Um, so everyone who came, uh, you got a free box of our cocktail franks of our pigs in a blanket. Um, so that was, that was a great thing that we were able to kind of promote the product, especially people who haven't tried it yet. And also some a way that we can kind of recognize the day and give back as well. This is crazy to me, okay? Like, <laughs> fucking blows my mind. I'm going to have to curse. I'm just like, you literally blew my top off. There is a hot dog and sausage council in Washington, D.C. I should probably know this. But, like, holy crap, I did not know that. Um, that's an incredible thing. I, I don't know who started that or, or why it happened, but what a great way to support your industry. That's where we're like, we're competitors. In, in if you're like in the hot dog game, like we have Nash Dogs that's on here. I always talk about this. Like there may be Walter's Hot Dogs um, uh, competitor if they if you guys both grow nationwide, for example. But at the end of the day, you guys are both building an industry, which is incredible, and you guys benefit from more hot dog places and restaurants going from around the world because it allows you to establish the industry so this is kind of cool to me um yeah and justin i would say check uh the best form of contact check it out on instagram it's 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 hot dog council on instagram and it has the the information and um you know we were able to they visited us back in 2019 or so um which was great you know to meet meet them and you know it's it's cool. It's just cool to kind of have uh, some support within the industry. I'm obsessed over this all of a sudden. Right? I'm like so obsessed over this now. Like, well, I love hot dogs and sausage. Um, and I got to be careful how I say that. <laughs> but yeah. I am like, but, I'm like blown away by this. It's rare that someone gives me a tidbit of information and it literally floors me. Like, I'm like just so wow that it almost knocks me to the ground. It knocked me to the ground. I don't know why. It makes complete sense, and it's so obvious that I'm like, why more industries don't do that? Obviously, there's a beef council, and there's, you know, there's a pork council, and there's all these things. There should be these food councils. You know, there's confectionery yeah. like support groups for all the candy companies. So, God, I love this. Um, and Justin, they would be a great guest for you. Just, just talking off the cuff just the knowledge of information, the history of the hot dog. If you ever want to do an episode just devoted to like hot dogs, 
uh, the Hot Dog Council is, is your episode. I'm going to have to reach out to them. I'm like, this is like my new best friend. I don't even know. You don't even <laughs> know you're going to be my new best friend yet. And we're on, it's on your way. You know what I mean? And when Absolutely. I say that, I got this, like, I don't know if she's called Dojo Cat or whatever her name is, but there's a song on the radio I hear all the time. Like, you're my best friend. You're a real bad bleep. And, you know, I'm like, I can't get that song out of my head. I don't overly love the lyrics of the song, but I do. <laughs> this song is so catchy. And when you just, now I'm singing it in my head again. But I love this council idea. It's, um, it's, uh, and I bleep out the word, the B word. I don't like that word. I will cuss all day long, but I will not use that word. I think it's extremely disrespectful in a lot of ways. But anyway, everyone knows what the B word I'm talking about. But anyway, um, even I have some character and integrity when it comes to cursing, I guess. And, but I love this a lot. Um, Holy crap, I'm blown away by it. I'm almost speechless, which is hard because I'm, as everyone says, I'm extremely long-winded, even though I'm very introverted. So, okay, like how, like have you guys been a part of this for a long time? Like do you interact with them? Like how much involvement do they have in your guys' lives or how much do you communicate with them and, and do how do they communicate with you guys and do they issue stuff? And I'm going to interview them, but I'm just blown away by this because you mentioned they're the reason for the national hot dog day yeah so what i what i can say is we we probably don't interact with them as much as we should because they're a great resource um to have what i will say is in 2020 during lockdown especially here in new york something they did was they brought together hot dog entrepreneurs from all over the country, from all different brands. And every so often we would have these scheduled Zoom conference calls with our hot dogs. We would be eating our hot dogs. We would invite guests on, uh, food bloggers as well. But it was a really special time that people from the hot dog industry all over the U.S. could come together and not look at all this competition that's out there, but just kind of a you know, a sign of solidarity through, you know, a global pandemic. Um, and that was one of the coolest and fondest memories that I have is being a part of their Zoom conference calls with all these other hot dog entrepreneurs, you know, during the pandemic in 2020. So that was that was quite memorable. Incredible. Um, it's incredible because I do believe as entrepreneurs, we need to be capitalists also and build industries. And, like, that's what's going on here. That's what you guys are doing. Um, and you guys are building the hot dog. And Nathan's is obviously another New York brand. But yeah. they, they don't build it like you guys do. And they don't build it like other entrepreneurs out there. And it's just such an incredible concept what you guys are doing. Um, and I love what you guys did with the pigs in a blanket. I believe that's what you call them. But maybe I'm wrong. But yeah. that you're marketing that way. So let's go back to, like, does National Hot Dog Day actually drive business to you guys? I know it's a way to put hot dogs in everyone's mind, so it's not necessarily about direct correlation to sales, but does it actually drive business? It it, it leads to opportunities. Um, I, I would say that because it people people want to promote National Hot Dog Day, so they're going to pick different hot dog businesses and restaurants to be able to showcase. So this past year, it led to a lot of opportunities where we had some great chefs and food bloggers like Chef Josh Capon was here filming for a day who did a phenomenal 
um, video and content on our, you know, at Walter's Hot Dogs on Instagram. Um, so it leads to those types of opportunities where people who may not know the brand, be, 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 you know, can become familiar with it. Um, so yes, there is a, a little bit of a spike um, in revenue, and but it, overall, it just draws more attention and awareness to the brand and who we are. Like, let's talk about from your guys' mindset. Do you advertise this? Do you promote it on social media when it does happen? Do you guys embrace it? Like, you obviously did the pigs in a blanket. You thought about this. So how, as a family or as owners of this business or or a group of, you know, I will call you the executives of your business, how do you guys discuss this as a family? Like, when marketing opportunities like this come up or there's opportunities like this, how do you guys come up with your plans? How did you decide of the Pigs of Blanket? Why that? Yeah, so it was it was every week, every year we try to do something, whether it's a discount on the hot dogs, a, you know, a promo, uh, you know, we try to do something. Um, and for us to make the decision this year, it was – we want to grow this product. It's a, to us, it's a phenomenal product. We, we love it so much. You know, this is a product of our pigs in a blanket. It's, it's a three inch, you know, version of our hot dog wrapped in an all buttery puff pastry. And it's a phenomenal product to bake. Um, so, you know, it's land to have some distribution behind it um, where different restaurants or country clubs can order the product directly um, through our distributor, Ace Endico. Uh, which is throughout the Northeast. Uh, we've launched it in all, over 40 grocery stores, but it's still such a new product to us. And it's still such a hidden gem where people know our hot dog, but they don't know we do this. They don't know that they can buy this, take it home, bake it, and you know have it as an hors d'oeuvre at you know, one of their, their parties. So for us, it was just, what can we do different? You know, What can we do different where we're giving something to our, our customers where they feel like, you know, it's a special day and they're getting something, but also a way that we can promote something new and exciting. Um, so for us, it really became a no brainer. I love this. Um, this is incredible because I do think you guys offer a lot. Um, and I want to expand upon the hot dogs and stuff like that, but let's take a step back because I also know you guys do ice cream. You guys have milkshakes. Yes. I don't know. I saw, I believe yeah. it's like your traditional chocolate, uh, strawberry vanilla, but I think there was a fourth one in the photo that I saw. I'm not sure what that is, but will you talk to me about the ice creams you offer, uh, the milkshakes, and and what kind of how much of your business is, yeah. is some of that as well? Because when you think of Walter's hot dogs, I don't think many companies would think about milkshakes and and ice cream because now it's like raising canes. Oh, we do French fries and chicken tenders. That's it. And if you go there enough, you're like, okay, I'm tired of not having variety, but you guys offer variety. That's why I'm anchoring this conversation. So talk to me about the ice cream and the milkshakes and stuff like that. So uh, Justin, a lot of people, you're right. A lot of people don't know we make our own ice cream and Italian ice. We offer over 20 different flavors of milkshakes. Uh, we have a rotation of about four to five different flavors of Italian ice that you can get by the scoop or as a, as a, a freeze with our Italian ice, which is a drink that's made with either Sprite, seltzer, or lime. Or, or I'm sorry, it's made with either seltzer, lemonade, or Sprite, just depending on how sweet or refreshing you want it to be. And we blend that with, with our homemade Italian ice, whether it's watermelon, mixed berry, lemon, mango. 
So again, a lot of people don't know that's something we offer, but our ice cream is something that was not originally on the menu in 1919 or 1928. Um, custard, frozen custard came on, on onto the scene in like the 50s and early 60s. And that's where my grandfather, Gene, uh, wanted to make ice cream, uh, batch ice cream here at the restaurant. And he wanted to make Italian ice as well. So little by little, he started with vanilla and then he'd make chocolate and then he'd get the fresh strawberries and he'd make strawberry. And then he'd get banana and make, you know, uh, fresh banana ice cream. Uh, he'd made mint, mint chocolate chip, right? The traditional way with no, no type of dyes and artificial colorings. Uh, pistachio, um, you know, you know, so that's kind of what started it. And then that led to the Italian ice. So we were doing, you know, he was doing these flavors of, of watermelon, but he was also doing chocolate. People to this day said, you know, your grandfather made the best chocolate flavored Italian ice, which is something that a lot of places don't offer nowadays. So, um, you know, the pineapple, the pina colada, you know, he, he, he just he had so much fun with it. Um, so it's hard, it's been hard for us to be able to maintain seasonally, just, you know, storage and space because, you know, on a busy weekend, a lot of our shakes are hand scooped. A lot of our Italian ice freeze drinks are hand scooped. We could be selling four, five, 600 shakes or freezes in a day. That's, you know, you know, you get your workout. Our employees get their workout for sure. But there's only so much we could do, only so much we can make, only so much we can store out of this, uh, you know, out of this location. So it's something we're proud of. It's a labor of love because, you know, we're making it. There's there's labor involved, employees that are involved, the machinery that's involved, the storage that's involved, because it takes 24 hours for the ice cream to harden and be able to kind of freeze properly, then to be able to serve it. So there's a lot of labor that goes into it. So Though we wish we could compete with McDonald's for a $3, $4 milkshake, can't do it, you know. Um, so, unfortunately, the cost of everything have just, you know, skyrocketed. But for us to be able to kind of maintain, like, this is who we are. This is a superior milkshake. It's superior ice cream. There's a lot that goes into it. You know, there's definitely a premium that goes along with it, which, you know, you could say about any good thing, right? I'm, uh, this is incredible. I wish we would have talked about I know we mentioned in the first episode a little bit, but I wish we would have talked about it a little bit more because I'm going to say this. I, if I were to pick the best fast food chain in the country and everyone's going to be like, oh, it has to be national. Maybe my criteria are the world. It's messed up. McDonald's does a good job of having diversity on their menu. It's pretty important, I think. And I mentioned Raising Cane's, and while they're doing well with just sticking to the basics, and that's one business model, I don't think it's a model for longevity, just like I think Chick-fil-A is a fad because they don't have a great business model, and they stick to just chicken. And, you know, they have good milkshakes, don't get me wrong, but it's it's very generic, and the flavor profile is not um, what you guys are doing with your brand. So, But I will say this, Freddy's Steak Burger and Custard – it's one of the best ones I've seen as the expansion. They remind me a lot of you guys, old business, uh, yeah. growing slowly. Uh, they a lot of stuff from scratch. Uh, they have like really good custards and milkshakes, and they have just like you guys do with your mustard. They have their their sauces, their their Freddy sauces, like two different ones specifically. I think it's a spicy and a regular that you can buy at the store or in the grocery stores. And they're the best model that I've seen. I know everyone loves In-N-Out Burger and all that. Their fries are the only of questionable course. part for me. 
um, and they have good things as well, milkshakes. And I think all of this is part of the staple, but you guys are still doing it by hand. You guys are still making them in the store. Like, let's talk about the Italian ice specifically. Like, most companies don't even offer that anymore. A lot of people don't even know what Italian ice is. So, one, can you explain Italian ice a little bit? And can you talk to us about what it's like to, like, because you're having to do pre production of this? Who oversees this? How do you guys make sure all these flavors are produced on a weekly basis? Absolutely. And, you know, going back to Freddy's, my wife and I were introduced to them for the very first time back in March. I was visiting my father out in Texas, and we saw this place, and I was like, it looks very nostalgic. There's something to it. And we enjoyed it so much. It just made me feel at home and just kind of like this old-time, like, history in, in, in a business with a lot of, like, you know, how proud they were of the business and the history and where they are and, you know, from simple beginnings. And it was something that was really cool. So. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned them because I had them for the first time not too long ago, and I was so impressed. Yeah, and um, I'm going to let you answer the question, but I will. I want to anchor this other point first. Like when people ask me, like everyone's like, "Oh, what about franchising and and KFC and Popeyes and McDonald's?" I'm like, Freddy's. Like it is a traditional yeah. concept. Like it's one of the things. Like if you want to look at something that's growing like that stays true to its origins, and I don't even know if they franchise honestly, but I'm like, whatever they're doing. If from a food person that understands longevity of businesses, they're the up and coming ones. Everyone else is sort of a land grab to grow as fast as possible where they're staying yeah. true. I mean, In-N-Out Burger has done a good job of growing slowly. Don't get me wrong. But they, and that's why I love Walter's Hot Dogs. I think you guys are doing a good job of growing slowly, which we're going to talk about and expanding your brand and, and really building the quality first and i would say that's what freddy's did they they didn't rush into the market they didn't rush into expansion they really concentrated on the quality and the scalability of that quality so we'll go back to the italian ice how you know and the question how do you make it how, what is it um so on and so forth but i just wanted to anchor that for for the audience yeah. because i do think nostalgia and those traditional good brands that have been built over time and perfected the quality of their food and the flavor of the food like you guys have at Walters really does matter. Anyway, go sure. ahead, uh, Gene. Yeah, so uh, Italian ice, it's different than sorbet, absolutely. But, you know, it, it's simple as far as ingredients that, you know, you use fresh fruit and or juices, depending on, you know, what flavor you have. There's going to be sugar in there and then there's water. And obviously there's this freezing process where it takes, you know, the time for it to be able to come this delicious frozen dessert. Um, and then it takes about 24 hours to freeze and get to the type of consistency that you would want to be able to scoop it properly or to be able to blend it properly as well. But, you know, that's something we're really proud of is that, you know, all of our Italian ices were made with fresh fruit. You know, that was something that I remember. I remember going to, to my grand, going with my grandfather to the market. He was 93 at the time. You know, this was in, 2014 or so and you know he wanted to pick out the lemons and 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 at the time this was what i was about 31 years old and he would he would just take the time to say this is how you know you're going to have a great lemon <laughs> or this is how you want to pick the right watermelon or these are the types of bananas you need and this is how we want them to ripen over time and this is you know when it looks this way or it smells this way this is when we want you to peel them and be able to make the banana ice cream so it was that type of just, you know, special moments that I had and, and, and my, my, my sisters and my mother to be able to kind of carry on the tradition because, you know, if, if you've been to Walter's before, it's 
you know, it's definitely a one of a kind place. But again, since it's a historical landmark, we cannot make it any bigger than what it is. So, you know, we're working in the same square footage as they did 100 years ago, you know. So to be able to have the production where, you know, if we're making ice cream and Italian ice, we're doing it four or five days out of the week. Um, you know, we'll have freezers upon freezers, you know, for the process to store it and to continue to rotate it properly and to be able to, you know, use it. Um, you know, we'll have multiple employees that will be working to be able to, you know, scoop it as well. But it's really hard to kind of just keep up with the demand, especially right now. This is the season to do it, right? This is ice cream season. This is Italian ice season, milkshake season. So this is the time where we want to showcase the products, you know, even at a higher level. This is incredible to me. And even the ice cream and the flavoring, I'm sure there's a lot of natural flavors in there as well when it, you're talking about your ice creams and, and staying true and it's not mass produced in, in the in the way I, I would have guessed. And you didn't sort of do, oh gosh, I forget what Italian ice cream is. You've stuck to more of a traditional ice cream. God, what is that called? Um, gosh, I'm blanking out. But anyway, Let's talk about that a little bit too. Like, is it the same idea, like the fresh fruit, the fresh stuff you talked about? Oh, let's make banana ice cream and mix it right in. And yeah, is it the same idea? You guys are picking up fresh fruits and, and products and whatever else that, to make your flavors? Yeah. So, you know, we have on the regular, we have, you know, our vanilla, our chocolate, our strawberry. We make a phenomenal coffee ice cream, uh, Oreo, um, you know, these are kind of like a mint chip, right? Uh, these are kind of like the backbone of our flavors. And by using these types of flavors, we're able to really make, you know, over 20 different types of, of milkshakes. Um, my favorite is the banana split. <laughs> That's oh, my favorite my gosh, milkshake. That sounds amazing. I love my, banana my, splits too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a little bit from the vanilla ice cream to, to, to chocolate to strawberry uh, with the banana ice cream. I mean, there's there's a lot going on, but the oh, flavor is just... It's just it's 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 that it's a banana split and you know as a shake it's awesome. Um, and I'm then, drooling you know, here. Just to, just just to sidetrack, Justin, if you've checked out uh, Walter's hot dogs as far as the Instagram, you will always see us post about our watermelon freeze. We're proud of like all of the flavors, but on a hot summer day, my go-to drink at Walter's is an Italian Italian freeze. The flavor's got to be watermelon, and we're gonna blend it with seltzer. So it's like you know hot humid 95 degree day in New York, it's super refreshing. So like that's, those are my kind of go-tos. Milkshake, I go with the banana split. Our flavors are great. You can choose again between 20 different flavors of shakes. Our freezes are phenomenal, but those, those are my top two shakes and freeze. I love it. And this is going to branch me into your diversity um, a little bit. Like one of the things I noticed that you guys are doing right now is like Christmas in July, like a Christmas order yeah. and stuff like that. So how do you come up with these concepts? I mean, I think it's an Italian thing. We always talk about Christmas in July, like six months prior, like weirdly, even though that would be June, we do it in July. I don't know why, but it's like, you know, uh, Christmas in whatever. I think Italians do that for some reason. Like it's always been in my family, but talk to me about why you guys do it, where it came from. You guys, I believe, give away a Christmas ornament, which is of your uh, Walter stand, which, again, describe yeah. what the original Walters looks like um, of course. and sort of the ornament. And then let's also get into this Christmas in July and how you guys came up with it. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned, too, as Italians, like, you know, Christmas Eve, Feast of the Seven Fishes, like, we eat. Christmas Day, we eat, right? But yeah. it's like, I feel like Italians, we do that, like, every week. <laughs> 
like on a weekly basis we're eating like that we find Um, something to celebrate like that's why every when there's so many food holidays we're like oh it's pizza day yep pizza time you know it's like anything we can gather around break bread together and eats lots of food we're all for it exactly just give us a reason to celebrate don't spoil us with a good time we're down for it right um so yeah i I think listen my my great-grandfather walter he he opened Walters in his early 20s and, you know, entrepreneur coming from Italy. You know, you and I have spoken about that. He was fascinated by Chinese architecture, but it took him nine years to build the business up. You know, if you Google Walters hot dogs, like the original Walters hot dog stand, it was a little shack on the side of the road on the Boston Post Road in Montmartre. And he sold his hot dogs, bushels of apples and apple cider. That was it. And he grew that business, Justin, to be able to nine years later build this pagoda. He was fascinated by this type of architecture. Um, you know, it's it's become a historical landmark. It's a one of a kind building. You, you just you you will. There is no other hot dog business that just looks like this. You know, it just it doesn't here in the U.S. And it's something we're just so proud of. But people have come to love the pagoda. You know, when they come here for a hot dog, they're also getting that experience in the history of the pagoda and kind of the you know the magic that. This is like hollow grounds. You know, this is our Yankee Stadium. You know what I mean? And people have just fallen in love with the pagoda over the years. And they have so many great memories here that we said, you know, let's make a Christmas ornament out of it. And that was a project that my sister Catherine took on for it was about a year, year and a half long project. And it's something where even, you know, this coming year, you know, we have to order these out about 10, 11 months in advance to make sure we have them in time and ready to go. But people have, you know, fallen in love with our ornaments to be able to add to their Christmas trees or also just to have as decoration for those who don't celebrate Christmas but love love Walters and love the building and have fond memories here. You know, people buy it just to have it as well. Um, it's definitely become like a collector's item, you know. So I gotta yeah. get one. I'm like jealous of everyone that has one. I'm like, where's mine? You know, where's mine? Yeah. I'm gonna go get one of these things, come visit you guys. No, they're great. They're all, you know, they're, they're, they're great. It's, it's really, you know, something that we're really proud of. Um, and my sister, Catherine, same thing. The Christmas in July was her idea. She wanted a way to be able to uh, promote our merchandise. And, you know, we sell our, our T-shirts. We have different types of Walters T-shirts and long sleeve shirts and sweatshirts and beanies and snapback hats and baby bibs and, you know, all types of merchandise. So this is just a way that in the summertime that we can also say, hey, let's Let's put these on sale. They're 25, 25% off for merchandise. And I think our, our ornaments are at twenty two ninety five, which are normally twenty nine ninety five. So you definitely get some savings there as well. Uh, but you can order right on waltershotdogs.com and, you know, to get the promotion. So, again, just ways that we can constantly promote the business, promote the brand and, you know, you know get something that people are excited about. Yeah, I love this. Um, let's talk about some other stuff on your menu that I think is just incredible. What is a potato puff? Because I've never oh. seen it on a menu before. I yeah. think it's something unique to you guys. You even have a puffy dog, which has smashed and grilled potato puffs on it, which a lot of people yeah. talk about who have yeah. tried your food. You, if you go there, you got to get a puffy dog. And yeah. you've got to get a puffy dog on a Bavarian pretzel bun also. I'm like, okay, like this yep. drooling all over my microphone type thing. So talk to me a little bit about what is a potato puff? Because I don't know sure. anyone else that does it. 
Yeah, so so let me backtrack. So the thing about Walter is we, as far as a hot dog, it's just our hot dog, right? Um, you know, come October, we'll you know some some years we'll make a a, a foot long Walter's hot dog, which is a lot of fun. But you know, we don't have different versions of our hot dog. Yes, we we have, we do serve a veggie dog on our food trucks and at our White Plains location, but it's our hot dog, and we also don't cover our hot dog up with with a hundred toppings. That's just not who we are at the hot dog business. We serve our, our homemade mustard relish blend or ketchup. So for us, you know, it's the simplicity of it all that's really kept our business thriving over the years. But we wanted, you know, about seven years ago, just to kind of mix things up a little bit. So the potato puffs are a menu item that we've had for almost 20 years. Um, it's almost like a bite-sized potato knish. It's creamy on the inside, crunchy on the outside. And, you can get them as a side order, right? But we said, what would it taste like if we smashed and grilled the puffs after they're deep fried in our butter-based secret sauce, top it on the hot dog? How would that taste? <laughs> so let's take an existing product that customers have grown to love, top it on the hot dog, and let's see how it goes. And yeah, so our customers have fallen in love with it. It, it, it adds this buttery mashed potato crunch to your hot dog. And then when you get that toasted pretzel bun with it, you've just added a whole nother layer, you know, to, to this dog. Right. So it's like a bit, uh, it's probably like a potato hush puppy, right? It has the same shape as a hush puppy. It's round, I would guess. And like fried. Similar. But it's like a, it's like a cone shaped. Again, if you, if you check out Walter's hot dogs on Instagram, you'll see we post the puffs all the time. Um, you know, it's an elevated version of like, you know, a tater tot. It's incredible. It's incredible. And I love that you have different fries. You have your normal French fries. You have your curly fries. You have your sweet potato waffle yeah. fries. I mean, all these things are incredible. And I'm going to keep... And I would keep... say, Justin, our, 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 our curly fries are, are definitely our most popular item for fries. But I love our shoestring French fries. Uh, they're thin, they're crunchy, you know, add, add a little ketchup or a little salt and pepper. I have mine with salt and pepper, uh, but I just love our shushing french fries as well. So I have to give them some love. Well, and I love the traditional stuff on here too. Like you guys still serve Shirley Temples. I don't even know yeah. many companies that yeah. do that. And that's just so true to the origin. And um, I'm going to ask this question because you have it on the menu. What's the difference between a milkshake and a cowboy shake uh, for that's the audience? Yeah. Because you guys um, have cowboy shakes also, and while yeah. I know the difference, you guys, it's a registered trademark for you guys, which I think is cool, is. a great marketing, great thing it there. Is. So, and as I continue the, the, to dive more into you guys, I'm like, okay, these are really good assets that you guys have. That's an asset. A registered trademark is a cowboy shake. So talk to me a little bit. What correct. is that? Sure. And and when we talk about growing the business slowly over the years, these are the types of attention to details that we've spent a lot of time to you know, to ensure that we have. Also the freeze, our name, the, the freeze as a drink is a registered trademark name, right? Um, so my grandmother, Gloria, came up with the name for the cowboy because yes, we have our regular milkshake, but then we have a cowboy shake, which is extra, it's an extra thick version of your milkshake. And my grandma said, when you put a, when you put a, a long spoon in there, it should just stay straight up sitting like how like a cowboy would sit straight up on a horse. 
that's how it should look. And if you've done that, you know you've made a perfect cowboy shape. And I grew up on a farm, especially quarter horses, which are the cow horses for sure, and uh, barrel racing and all that stuff that you see um, reining and all that stuff, the lassoing. Yeah. Of, and so I get exactly what you're saying. I was like, God, why cowboy? But now I totally get it. It is you do have to sit up straight up on the saddle or you're wrecked um, just from the standpoint. And the horse, you hurt the horse by not sitting up straight either. So I like this a lot. That's really a cool concept, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah so go ahead. That's, that's No, that, that's a fun one that we're proud of that, you know, we've been serving now for just about over 35 years almost 35 almost yeah 35 plus years um you know with that name the cowboy for that so something that you know we're proud of and again i want to talk about tradition and building the brand over time because that's where we're on but you also serve egg creams which i don't think anyone who's not our grandparents age and maybe in the new york (laughs) city area even know what an egg cream is but they're phenomenal i love them being an italian in in my family from the bronx and in new jersey like growing up so, like, talk to me about what is an egg cream. Let's educate the yeah. audience on this because I think it's so important. Yeah, and listen, an egg cream is like a lost art. Yeah, there, there are very few. You might find them in some diners or some, you know, you know, ice cream parlors, but a lot of places don't serve egg creams anymore. Um, and 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 the younger generations, they will ask. They'll say, "Is there egg in it?" They, you know, they they. A lot of people just they don't know what they don't know. And, and an egg cream is not something you hear so much about, but it's an old fashioned drink. And it's really simple as far as ingredients. Um, but it's milk, seltzer and a flavored syrup. And you stir that all together and you have an egg cream. And my favorite is chocolate. I love a chocolate egg cream. It's an alternative to just chocolate milk or something like that. But I love a good chocolate egg cream. Um, but we make a vanilla, a chocolate, strawberry, a black and white egg cream. Uh, but it is, it's something that we've been doing for a very long time. And, you know, something that's, you know, a consistent product. Um, so, yes, it, we love that it's that older generation uh, who can relate to the egg cream, you know, but it, it's about time the younger generations now get to kind of discover it and, and kind of enjoy it as well. I love it, and I love egg creams. Um, I'm a huge fan of chocolate milk or any, like, strawberry milk, vanilla milk, all that stuff, yeah. caramel milk, and you guys all have those things. And I know a lot of people that I've talked to, you know, as the younger generation, they're, you're one of the only companies that still sticks to the tradition. And I know everyone steered away from it because the egg part's confusing. I don't know why it came that up that way, but it it is why they use the name egg, but it is um, – it's a really cool concept. I guess it's the same yes. way as a cowboy shake. There's no cowboy in the shake, but it's right. the idea. <laughs> right. It's not. It's, yeah. There's there's no there's no plastic cowboy that you got to find in the bottom of the cup or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but but one thing you know, some people will also identify an egg cream as an ice cream soda. Some places may call it an ice cream soda. But something that we did as well that you know we were proud of is y- you can get a traditional egg cream here. But we would always say we'd always recommend our cashiers will always recommend, would you like an egg cream float instead, which is an egg cream. But now you've just added two scoops of ice cream. So instead of that kind of traditional root beer float or, you know, Coke float, now you can get an egg cream float as well. So um, that's something that we're, you know, it's just a menu item that never gets old, you know. 
Yeah, and one of the things I'm going to anchor for the audience, I'm going to tie your history a little bit just because you guys were formed in 1919. But during the Great Depression and Prohibition existed, they got rid of alcohol in the United States, and soda parlors were the replacement of bars. Like bars turn into soda parlors, okay? That's why we have root beer floats. That's why we have egg creams. That's why we have um, the things that we have. So one of the things that's really important in that business is that like Walters, they went through like over a century of up and down economics, um, economic periods and hardship. And they've created a menu that's really traditional and strong and really flushed out things that, that people love. Okay. And they have a lot of traditional items there that are probably the best in the world. Okay. So I just want to anchor that for everyone. These things that happen, like these soda parlors popped up and putting ice cream and soda because also Coca-Cola, as you mentioned, was so popular and they, they really boomed during the soda parlor age to what we what, what gave them the trajectory to be what it is today. Um, yeah. But it it's so important because I think when our businesses, we, we look at things and we search opportunities like your grandfather did and your great-grandfather that there's opportunities here, ice cream, Italian ices, and if we build slowly and we build a strong foundation and then scale it, like you guys are now doing with multiple food trucks, which we'll get into in a second, it's pretty important. The other thing I want to just point out is I love that you guys are sort of in the consumer packaged goods or in the retail space. Like one of the things that you do really well, we mentioned the Walters Pigs in a Blanket that you guys do that and and what that looks like in 12 per package and that you gave it away for National Hot Dog Day. But you also have one pound retail packs. You also sell 16 packs of your buns and you also sell your Walters mustard. So just yeah. for the audience, there's you guys have looked at your model and you understand being diversified in your revenue streams. And it's not just about hot dogs and french fries and a soda. It's about, you know, shakes, cowboy shakes, egg creams, uh, Italian ice, different options for french fries, different options for the hot dog within staying traditional. Like, okay, you can have a Bavarian pretzel bun and you can have... Um, the potato puffs on there, which the potato puffs sound outstanding. I'm like, everyone talks about that that I've talked to. No, they know you guys. You, you have to come and try it. It's just incredible. <laughs> and you guys do funnel cakes and things like that, yeah. which I think is just so important to the traditional thing. And, and also one of the things I love that you guys do that I think not enough companies do is you, you have you involve the dogs because people often go eat and they sit outside and they bring their animals and you have like doggy ice cream so yeah i mean how did you guys come up with that was it something that was there before like because i just think entertaining people's pets is really a way to gain loyalty yeah so and, and and just to go back a second about our funnel cake is you know again that's a funnel cake is a traditional like carnival type you know themed you know dessert snack um and instead of the traditional funnel cake we have funnel cake sticks so it's the same type of fried dough that you love which powdered sugar but they come in stick forms little stick forms almost kind of like a the size of like crinkle cut fries or something um so again that's again kind of taking a traditional item and kind of adding like a little modern twist to it as well so that's an item that we're you know we love um but Funnel cake is basically the carnival's hot, uh, donuts. I they're so similar. They're not the same, but they're so similar in a lot of ways that the flavor, the profile, the things you can do with funnel cake. I like that you guys did sticks because your variety, you know, something you guys like, 
you could put jelly inside of them. You could put ice cream on top of them. Like I think what you guys are doing with the funnel sticks, um, and I know you do cinnamon sticks as well, which is pretty close. Yes. But even on your menu, you talk about a deluxe, which is putting ice cream and syrup on them <laughs> and making them a meal, which is a yeah. natural progression. Okay, and not enough people realize this, and I don't know why, but in a lot of places in the northeastern United States. Donuts isn't a breakfast food only. Like people eat it as dessert and put ice cream on it, which is why I love also in the traditional sense, funnel cake is not just funnel cake. Cinnamon sticks are not just cinnamon sticks. You guys are actually making them an enhanced dessert by putting your homemade ice cream on them, which I think is incredible. So yeah, um, like, wow, number one, incredible. And, um, I mean, if you want to talk about it a little bit before we go on to our next subject, like, like, please um, dive into the cinnamon sticks, the funnel cakes more if you guys, if you want to. It's just, it's, listen, it's fun. You know, uh, as a business, and, and this kind of even ties into the doggy ice cream a little, is that we're, we're, we're a family business. We are a part of the community. We're a family friendly place. We have an, uh, you know, we're an outdoor only place at our Mamaronic location. Our White Plains location is indoor and outdoor, but you know, families come, they enjoy our picnic area, you know, or they'll sit up on the hot dog hill across the street and set up their own kind of blanket and have their own picnic. But it's just fun. You know, we want people to come here where they know that the money that they spend here is, you know, they're getting something good in return. They feel good about it. They enjoy what they're getting and they're creating memories with the people that they, you know, come with. That's just so important to us. But, you know, um, this company, Dogsters, and you can find Dogsters around the country, but, you know, when they had, uh, first, maybe about six, almost seven, seven years ago, um, they were a much, you know, smaller brand at the time, but they just wanted to partner up and do something. And, you know, we have a great picnic area and, you know, obviously do- dog lovers. So, uh, you know, people who want to bring their dogs yeah we have something for them too we you know we offer a few different flavors of the dogsters ice cream uh, and this way the dogs aren't just you know smelling and salivating over the hot the smell of the hot dogs and wanting the hot dogs but now there's something here for them too so um again something for everyone here awesome i love this so we talked a little bit about the food trucks in, in the previous episodes you guys have three you're adding a fourth i believe is that correct yeah, the, the fourth just got delivered and we're having it wrapped. So it, it'll be ready to go on the road within the next, you know, two weeks or so. So we'll say by the beginning of August, we'll have the fourth truck available for being booked out for events. It, it, you guys are incredible. Like this business model and the tradition and the years experience and then gaining, you know, growing with food trucks and, and being mobile to get the, for lack of a better term, the hot dog in everyone's mouth is incredible and i gotta imagine you're not care i don't know if you carry your milkshakes or your ice cream onto the food trucks or or all that stuff so we do we do okay so like amazing so talk to me about this and we talked a little bit about it the last episode but we didn't fully get into it like why another food truck why continue to go the food truck route um just explain that to me a little bit sure so we're proud that yes, we can bring our ice cream and Italian ice onto our food trucks. So we don't do milkshake milkshakes or freezes on the trucks because just the electricity and the amperage for the milkshake machines, it would just be too much of an overload. And if we're doing an event for 10, 15, 20,000 people, it'd be very difficult to keep up with milkshakes. 
on a summer day. So it's just not, it's not realistic. Um, but yes, we are able to still offer our ice cream and Italian ice. But, you know, you, you asked the million dollar question, Justin, as far as why did we want to grow with a fourth food truck? Um, you know, we added our third truck last year and the demand is still there and the opportunities are still there for us. And, um, you know, our trucks are booked throughout the tri-state area for both public and private events. And when you think about, you know, I, I always tell people, make sure you do your research because food trucks are a, a craze right now. Um, just in Westchester County alone, there's almost 30% more food trucks in 2023 than there were in 2020. So um, it's, it's growing tremendously. Um, it has its upsides as, you know, you're not responsible for a brick and mortar. You know, you, you don't you, you don't have the necessary, you know, the same types of, of responsibility and, and, and headaches and upfront costs and, you know, you know, everything that goes into opening a restaurant day in and day out, right? You know, you've literally not been able to put a restaurant on wheels, but there's a lot less overhead. You know, there, there's a lot less to worry about. Yes, you have to make sure your equipment is good to go and your truck is good to go and you keep up with the maintenance of it and everything, you know, all those types of things. But it's just, it's a different beast. It's a, it's a different, it's much, much different than just having a restaurant. So I think maybe people that have, you know, experienced and have had that type of restaurant life, you know, that, that grind of day in and day out, they see a food truck as a different opportunity and alternative. And I think that's why it's grown so much over the last few years. But for us specifically, Justin is just, you know, my, my sister, Catherine, my mother, Christine, and I, we started our food trucks in 2014 with the concept. We launched our first one in 2015 and the business has just grown. And, you know, as people just continue to want Walters at their special event or at their office building or on their TV or movie set or at their favorite music festival or sporting event, the more people are asking for us, the more we're going to show up. Right. And by, by doing that, we need, more we need more trucks we need more employees we need you know another operation so um so besides just loving it and loving what we do obviously you know that goes without saying it's really just because of the opportunity that's been in front of us yeah i love this a lot um i'm gonna just drop some information here on on the the audience um uh, here in Westchester is what's considered upstate New York. It's because um, Westchester County and what we're talking about here, uh, because New York City is like at the very bottom right hand corner of New York and it kind of shoots off in like a tail. I will call it a mini tail uh, that becomes New York City, like the Bronx starts it. And then you have Manhattan named after Manhattan, Manahata, which is from Indian or Native American origins. Um, just so everyone knows, but then you go into Long Island, but upstate New York is basically everything that's off the tail that goes up into the bulk. Westchester County, I believe that we're talking about here is probably the first County outside New York. I'm not positive, but yeah, outside so the West Bronx. Ch Westchester, yes, exactly. It's funny because people in Westchester are like, we are not upstate. We're Westchester. You know, it's yeah. like, it's funny because people in Westchester, it's like upstate begins in like Albany. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I would yeah, describe it first, as the, the, the part that attaches the tail almost. It's like that connection to the tail. It's like on a dog, the dog doesn't have any bone in its tail. So like New York City and from the Bronx on is sort of like the tail without the bone. And then there's like the nub of the tail that has the bone. And if you see dogs that have their tail cut off, like Westchester is that bone that starts leading into the whole animal, which is New York, which again, until like... 1664 just so everyone knows new york was actually called new netherlands it was run it was the dutch and then the english took it over and named it after the duke of york just so everyone knows i mean it's crazy how all this stuff happens and how we still have a an english background but originally it was new netherlands and the english accent that we have versus the english traditional accent is because we have the dutch influence on our English, which is why our English it is. It's why in the South they have more a Southern drawl, but that's basically a drawn out English accent. Okay, Boston is a, a type of English accent where the majority of our country, which all came through New York as immigrants, and that's why a majority of the country has the Dutch influenced accent of English. Um, just to throw it out there for everyone. If you go to the Netherlands and listen to their English, they almost sound just like most of America. Um, minus like the Creoles and Boston and uh, this, the, you know, the Southeast United States. Again, the Boston, New England area and the uh, Southern United States have a drawn out English, British accent. I'll say British, um, not Irish, not to be confused with Irish English, um, where we do have some of that tradition. But the most of the English that we speak in America that's traditional comes from that influence of the Dutch, which was New Netherlands. I just want to point that out to everyone since we were talking about New York. I think it's cool to add that in there but it's also gives everyone the traditional history which i think how long new york's existed how long there's been immigrants coming in there how long businesses have been formed and why walter's hot dogs being you know over a hundred years old you know 104 years old to be exact is so incredible because of this long lineage of tradition and change and immigration into this country to form what we have today and why a lot of the immigrants who have spread across the united states why the english that we speak is is different than british english or that traditional english um for example so i don't know why i felt the need to say that but i felt like i needed to drop an education bomb uh on everyone there um, let's go back to the food trucks because we talked about this as we start wrapping up the episode. You and your sister have done so well in the food truck game and leveraging your brand that you guys actually taught classes for two years in, in Westchester County, um, as we were talking about beforehand, maybe bigger. So talk to me about that. How did you guys get that opportunity? What's that like? Like, what can you even teach about food truck curriculum? Like, like let's oh, wow. just wrap yeah. our head around this. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there's so much. Um, yeah. So in, in, in Westchester County, you know, there's, there's, you know, a surge of food trucks really from 2015 and, you know, obviously to this day or so, but, um, you know, college thought that it would be useful to have this type of course. Um, so it was an intro to the food truck course and they had seen that, you know, we've been growing in food trucks. So, you know, they asked my sister and I to come up with a curriculum that, would be helpful. So um, we would do things from, you know, bring our food truck on site to kind of show a demonstration of the truck itself to, you know, where to begin. And and if a food truck is a great option, because a lot of people just want to jump on the food truck game and have no experience or, 
you know, even just because you may have a restaurant doesn't mean that you're the right operator for a food truck as well. It, like I mentioned before, it's just a different beast in and of itself. Um, so, you know, where to start is, you know, how do I, how do I build a food truck? Where do I get a truck from and how do I build it and customize it and the type of equipment that I need and the specific, um, you know, requirements and specific specifications out of my local municipality and health permits that would be involved and what type of operation you want to run. Is it a daily, is it a seasonal business? Um, are you going to try and, you know, have uh, specific locations and permits? Are you going to be a vending food truck? Are you going to be a food truck that's primarily for private events? Um, what's the flow of your operation going to look like? And the build out of, of the specific type of equipment, what size, uh, you know, uh, generators you're going to use and propane tanks and, you know, I mean, the list <laughs> the list goes on and on and on. And then once you kind of figure out that, what's your business model, what's your menu, and uh, what are your contracts going to be look like and how are you going to be booking your events? Uh, where are you storing your truck as a, in a commissary? And 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 <laughs> so again, just the, the, the list kind of goes on and on and on with how do I, you know, it's great. Yes, I want a food truck, but okay, well, well, what do I do? And and how do I turn it into a business? And, you know, it, it's more than just kind of the idea of, oh, I want a food truck. There's a lot of nitty gritty that goes goes into it. Well, and I think um, this is a perfect segue to take us full circle, which is you're building an industry. Why do you guys now have four food trucks? Because you went and built an industry. You were capitalists, not just entrepreneurs. You guys went and for two years, you and your sister built an industry. And when there's industry and there's more people that are satisfied, happy with accepting of food trucks, it gives you more room to grow also as a capitalist, um, not absolutely. just as an entrepreneur. And building an yeah. industry, just like we talked about the National Hot Dog and uh, Sausage Council. So, yeah. um, and, and Justin, I would say, is if you ever want to do an episode just on the food trucks, like literally, like food trucks 101, you know, myself and, and my sister, I mean, it's something we'd be happy to do because, again, it's there's just so much to it. And, and it's one thing for us, too, that we get joy out of it, but to see people that were in our food truck classes that are now food truck operators and have their business. And we may be doing events with them or, you know, get to kind of see them now living out their dream as well. It's, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of knowledge. And we always say is if we can help people learn from our mistakes and, le and learn from our experiences, then, you know, we're doing something right. Yeah, I have a lot of ideas. I'm going to be reaching out to you this weekend on some thoughts here on this. I do got, want to have you back on for a part four with your sister in general on Walter's Hot Dogs, but I would love to have you guys maybe do another episode, maybe before we do that one with her, on food truck education and, and give the audience sort of a taste of, of what that is. Um, and then maybe even have you guys do something special for Gorilla Brave, which is the new group that you're a part of that we're forming for all those food entrepreneurs around the world of maybe there's curriculum inside there that you guys help facilitate uh, for that as well um, and contribute to and obviously benefit from, um, yeah. you know, for your business, but also monetarily um, that we may be able, that I may be able to help with that because I have a lot of ideas there. And I think anyone who's out there listening and Gorilla Brave is the, it's a food entrepreneur networking group or, or entrepreneur group. I wouldn't say networking is the right word. Uh, we are building in education, we are building in events, we are building in speakers, we are building in education, 
as we speak. So it ended up being much larger endeavor based on feedback from all the food entrepreneurs that have already get into it. So we're we were going to launch in, in this July, which is when we're recording right now, but it looks like it's going to be more like October just based on we're actually going to build a real curriculum. We're going to build real networking events. We're going to upscale this to like the top one of the top entrepreneur groups in the world, period, regardless of whether in food and there's more food entrepreneurs in the world than any other entrepreneur group, let alone any other profession. Okay. Everyone says prostitution is the oldest profession. I disagree. I think it's actually food uh, and being entrepreneurial because even back in the day, we had merchants selling food and even in the bartering uh, days, we bartered food. So just saying. Um, So I'm going to anchor this. I would love to have you guys back on if that's okay with you. I'm going to send you dates after the show and maybe we can nail down two more episodes with her. You work with her. We'll nail down those two episodes and do that with you guys. And then offline, I'm going to talk to you just so the audience knows. Like offline, I'm definitely going to talk to you about maybe working with you and her inside Gorilla Brave and not only having you guys be members, but also offer some of this curriculum you guys have and and maybe even some sort of partnership with us in that field. Because I think while you learn, I think the best relationships we have is ones that we learn from, but we also teach from. And, um, or however you look at that or contribute to. And I, I would sure. like to work with you that on Gene because I think um, I'm blown away by you every time we talk, actually, you and your family <laughs> and like just the growth and the diversity. Okay. And as a family that really diversified in food myself and, and restaurants and food for hospitals and, and food trailers and trucks and building restaurants and designing them and POS systems on iPad and logistics and uh, with when we had grown strong and all of these things are just so incredible. So I want to continue to have these conversations. We'll get you back on. Um, but before we get off, like all the subject matter we just talked about, is there anything that you want to talk about that maybe we missed gaps that we forgot to talk about that you maybe want to add on to or anything about that food truck stuff that you maybe want to talk about a little bit? Yeah, well, I, I, I appreciate you giving me, giving me the, you know, the platform. Um, this, we've, we've covered a lot. I would just say is, you know, as, as a business, you know, three and four generations of, of family members, um, in, in this business, you know, there's, there's a lot out there. And we always say just, you know, take a, take a deeper look into, you know, just Walters as a whole, you know, there, there's so much more than just, you know, we're a place in, in Mamaronic, New York, that serves a hot dog. There's just so much history to it. And there's a lot of just, you know, lessons to be learned, you know, from, from seeing it from, from a side, you know, in, in good, bad, and in all different ways. But it's just, it's this business that's been here for over a hundred plus years. But again, you know, I could say this all the time. We feel like we're just getting started, you know? Um, so just kind of be on the lookout with those types of things. But you know, if you don't know it, just check it out. You know, check it out whether it's you know on, on Instagram or if you're you're in the tri-state area and you visit our location or through Gold Belly. But um, you know, it's just a, a real like just one of a kind business that we're just so proud to be a part of because there's just not many like it here in the U.S. Um, and I can just say that not 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 boasting in any way, but just out of just being proud of that this is a part of my family's you know legacy um and it's just you know a business that we love to share with people 
Well, and w- as we discussed the the plays and the downloads, and and we count them if they're seventy five percent listened to or more, and someone really gets something out of the episode, just so the audience knows, and downloads and play counts when we actually rate them. I won't go into the numbers exactly, but I will say that you're you know again we talked about you know top ten, top twenty episodes. Your your part one and part two. And um, the reason I think that is, is because there are so many people that have experienced your brand, whether they still live in the New York area or not, that relate to you guys, that want to hear your story, that want to understand the the food that they've loved since they were a child. Because most of them, a lot of people that we've gotten feedback from or, or comments on have enjoyed your brand since they were kids. And now they're like 70 years old, 60 years old. It's kind of crazy. I'm like, and even awesome. being in New York City, when I talk about you guys... Everyone's like, oh my gosh, my grandparents have been going there. I've been going there. And it's just like this family tradition to go, you know, out to Walter's Hot Dogs, which I think is what you're talking about. That's why in a weekend you may do four or 500 shakes or, or ice creams or floats or whatever it is, um, the Italian ices in a weekend, whatever that looks like, is just because there's this compounding tradition and. I don't know, uh, nostalgia, which is the thing that, that families are. And we talked about being Italian, but a lot of food and breaking bread has to do with building memories, like the conversations, Absolutely. the reflecting, you know, reflecting on that one time we went to Italy and we had blah, blah, blah happen. Like we do that breaking bread. We tell stories while we're all together. So, I mean, the times I laugh the most is around food. I don't know why, but it's whether it's relaxed or I'm in the moment, but I like a lot of times when I'm in really good company and we talk about memories or we're telling jokes, it's around food and I'm in tears, you know, I'm in tears and, and, uh, laughing so hard. And I think that's that's a lot of what we're talking about here in your brand. And for the audience, what the thing that they've done well is all the soft costs. They produced quality food. They produce great service. They're, they're, they're outstanding. They have variety and diversity in their offerings and they have nostalgia. But the thing that the soft costs that I'm talking about is they're staying true to their core values. Even if it's a food truck, even if it's, um, a brick and mortar, the principles that this business is living by over years is getting things right, sticking to what you're good at, using fresh product, um, making your own product, you know, own ice cream, own ices, um, the having your own recipe for your own hot dogs, your own buns, your own mustard, um, a, you know, the, the potato puffs, all of that stuff I just think is so yeah. incredible. And the reason that it matters to keep going. It doesn't matter where you are right now in life. It doesn't matter if your business is two years old or 30 years old. You need to keep going and building traditions and you need to be willing to diversify. And I will tell everyone this, and I'm, this is my education for everyone, based on experience and exposure to the world, too many businesses go 20, 30 years down the road and they get stuck. Like this, that's not our business. And I used to hear this at Food Service Partners because our abbreviation was FSP. That's not the FSP way. That's not how FSP made money. I'm like, motherfuckers, like, and I wouldn't say it or be demeaning to anyone, but in my head, I'm like, if we stick to this, we are going to die. Life changes. Things change. We need to add to our menus. We need to add to our repertoire. We need to add to our experience. We cannot keep being a one-trick pony. 
We cannot keep doing the same things over and over again and expecting to grow or attract new clients and customers in any of our businesses. We got to stop thinking that way. Just because we used to do it one way doesn't mean it's another way. They're like, you guys were in hot dogs, but hey, ice cream came around, Italian ice came around, potato puffs, the cowboy shakes, all of that is the willingness to grow. All of that is the willingness to listen and chase down opportunities and ideas and not be so quick to be like, I don't think so, that's not what we do, okay? Because if you look at it, you're in a Chinese-themed like themed architecture building, you're making yeah. hot dogs, um, you're also in shakes and ices and, and egg creams and funnel cakes and and uh, merchandise and you guys do gold belly which we've talked about on previous episodes direct to consumer and so all of these things are about diversifying and getting multiple reverence revenue streams from different products and in different industries or different areas because the willingness to have an open mind and grow okay not every idea is going to work but hey you guys got into food trucks when you were a brick and mortar Okay, it's usually the other way around. People want food trucks to get into brick and mortars, but you guys did the opposite. That's brilliant. And then the other thing I would say, what a great mindset of of being willing to teach other people what you have learned and build an industry that you guys can grow in also and create fertile ground for not only other people, but yourself, right? And in a way, you're creating the standards that all food trucks have to live by so you guys can grow. You know, growing is a group of standards. It is a group of rules. It is a group of individuals holding the same standard. And what happens? The water rises so all the ships on the water rise with it. Or in this case, the water rises with all the food trucks in it. Okay? Absolutely. So a good reputation in food trucks means that more people will go to food trucks in general, which means everyone fucking wins. Period. You know, and I say the F-bomb because I want to emphasize how important this is. Everything is another growing opportunity. Grow your industry. Grow your business. That's what I always say. Everyone's like, what? Competitors. I'm like, no. You are not competing against anyone but yourself, and you are always growing those in your industry along with you. McDonald's benefits from Burger King, but benefits from Five Guys, because guess what? The more people eat burgers, the more people eat stuff, the better McDonald's does, since we talked about it a little bit on the previous episode, how well McDonald's does in advertising and marketing. But guess what? They bring consciousness to the world. They do a happy birthday grimace, and they have a purple mixed berry shake that then eventually goes off the menu. Guess what people are going to Walters for a Mixberry shake okay um, as an example I think you talked about Mixberry um, I think we would maybe tie those two together did you talk about a Mixberry or am I just yes yeah, like, so, no our Mixberry freeze yeah yeah Mixberry freeze like so we're these industries even though they look like competitors they are not competitors if they're in our industry and even if they're in a different industry but they're building a similar industry in food we want to encourage them and guess what Nothing will grow your business more than investing in others, whether it's in your own business or other people's businesses, just like Gene talked about. Dude, I'm going to say this, but dude, I'm fucking proud of you, man. Like, you, I'm rooting for you big time. Like, always have been since the day we talked, but now I'm just like, you guys are on another level, whether you realize it or not. That willingness to give it away, what you've learned to pay it forward, to um, just so anyone knows, like, Anyone who's ever been in a step program or a group program knows that one of those steps is be willing to 
give back what you've been giving. Go mentor someone else. Go be a sponsor, as they would call in the groups, to someone else because now you got to pave it forward and give back for what you've been given so you stay where you are. That's what you guys are doing. Like you're promoting your own growth. You're you're making sure you're doing well by the universe, the world, and God by doing that. And that will grow your business. The minute I've seen my employees or my managers or executives stop doing that in COVID, no matter how much we grew, it started becoming a hindrance to our business because they weren't willing to give it away anymore. They weren't willing to grow the individuals around them because they didn't want to lose their jobs because it became a threat because other individuals were willing to go to work and the individuals who aren't willing to go to their offices anymore, even now, all this time after COVID, like they are hindrance to your business and they will put other people down so you don't get people who are coming into your business to work. I'm just saying that's part of the reason we're suffering food service between people wanting to yeah. stay home and the government giving away so much money, it's hurting us. But here's the thing, there is a population, there is a group of kids coming out of school that are willing to put in the work, you know, to grow and they will outperform no matter how much experience someone has. I don't care. I will choose work ethic and discipline and core values over all of that. And that's what you guys are doing also by your business model and who you are. So that's sort of my whatever, like 10 minute spiel I just went on. But um, I appreciate you, Gene. I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate that we're getting to know each other for sure even more. And I'm glad you guys continue to, to want to be on the show. And I really value that you're educating the world around you and helping build your industry no different than the national hot dog and sausage council so um where can they find you guys online where can they find you on social media and as well as you personally so if anyone wants to reach out to you and learn from you they can do that as well absolutely and, and thank you for the kind words i really appreciate it um so for, for us for myself it's at, at instagram at gene christian g-e-n-e-c-h-r-a-s-t-i-n at gene christian uh, our business walters you can find it on instagram facebook at walters hot dogs uh, you can visit our flagship location in mamaronic new york we have another location white plains new york you can find us on goldbelly.com to have our hot dog kits shipped to you you can find our mustard through amazon or uh, locally uh, or you can demand our hot dogs and mustard at your grocery stores. That's always great too. Um, but that's you know that's how you can find us. You can easily Google Walter's Hot Dogs as well, uh, and you'll be able to find uh, find all the information you need. Uh, there's contact pages there. You can message me directly on my personal. You can message on the Walter's page myself or my sister. Most likely going to be the ones to respond to you anyway. Um, even on YouTube, do a nice YouTube search about Walter's Hot Dogs as well. So. Um, that's primarily how you can find us. Thank you, Gene. I appreciate you big time. Um, in the audience, if you guys like the Walter's Hot Dogs episodes, this is number three. Go back to the other two parts also. Listen to them. Again, all three of them. If you want to support this, you guys love it, you grew up with this, give it high reviews. Give the podcast high reviews. Give comments in the posts, no matter which syndication you're listening on, whether it's Spotify or whoever else. Go give it comments. That's how the algorithms work. Like we can just be honest about this. The better these episodes do is word of mouth and that contributes. That's from you guys talking about it. Word of mouth. These episodes are free. The entrepreneurs come on here. They share their stories. There's nothing other than they're trying to get is other than help the world and other food entrepreneurs on the show. 
yes, it builds their brands, but most of it, what they're doing is helping other food entrepreneurs by being on here. So give them reviews, give them good reviews, give them five stars or whatever the highest ratings you can get and help support these entrepreneurs who are on here. Like the better you guys rate their episodes after you listen to it and the more if you just take two minutes to do it, the better their episodes do. And as we've seen with Gene's first two episodes, they're some of the best we've ever done in five years. And we've released over four, 340 episodes at this point. Okay? So, guys... And we've recorded almost 380, just so everyone's aware. And they're kind of going out of order as we release them. But that's just the way it is based on the marketing and advertising and the way we're now understanding how to to hit things in the fall versus the summer and so on and so forth. So the episodes do better. But rate them. Give them love, guys. They're giving you love. They're giving you information of nuggets. It's coming at you for free. Rate the episode, support these entrepreneurs. Okay, that's all I ask. I love all of you guys for listening in. You don't have to. But I'm just saying, pay it forward like Gene does. Give it away. Help someone else. And guess what? Karma will come help you. God will come give you what you give to the universe. Okay? So if you want to find us, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. You can find this show and the other three shows we do on there as we start to push those into the fall and start releasing episodes for the Centurion Leadership Battalion and the Night Dasher. Obviously, we already have the Justin and Ryan Bizarro show, which is all the non-food entrepreneurs that we would have had on this show. But because we have so many food entrepreneurs already on here, we didn't want to muddy the water. So we have our own show that started this year uh, back in May uh, just for entrepreneurs outside of the food space. Uh, So we're starting to build that. Uh, We're working through that. It's a little bit harder here because I know food. So And I know entrepreneurship, but it's a little bit of a different space. Um, Other entrepreneurs aren't like food entrepreneurs. I'm sorry. It's just the holistic mindset, the tangible goods. How many of us are there out there? How fast we learn, how fast we compound our families um, and our legacies because of food is kind of incredible. Even over 104 years like we're talking about here. So we're telling a different angle of entrepreneurship. But I will tell you, nothing will teach you entrepreneurship or life skills like working in food. So go work in food before you become an entrepreneur. Go work in a food truck. Go work in a restaurant. I don't care if you think it's below you. Nothing should be below you as an entrepreneur. Go fry donuts. Go DoorDash. Go make pizza. Go make hot dogs at Walters. Go be an employee for like three months. Seriously, go learn how it's done because you can't learn more. And if you want to be an entrepreneur of any sort, I'm still saying the same thing spend at least three months in a food business at the bottom of the chain and learn what it's like for the employees and the team members to be at the bottom and then scale that in your business because you will be a better entrepreneur no matter what field you're in if you start in food so thank you everyone for listening in thank you gene again you can find us on instagram again at justin the food entrepreneurs you can find me personally at justin bizarro b-i-double-z-a-double-r-o on threads facebook and instagram and we're out